Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, folks. This is Matthew Christopher, and you're listening to the Abandoned America podcast. I've taken a bit of a break from putting out any new episodes for almost three months, in part due to burnout and a hectic schedule. And if you're still listening, I appreciate your patience. Moving forward, I've decided to make a few changes to keep this project sustainable, which mostly boil down to finding ways to reduce my stress about it. One key point is not beating myself up about keeping a set release schedule, so in the future, I'll be releasing episodes as I can, not on set dates. This means that either subscribing to the podcast or signing up for my email updates will help keep you in the loop if you'd like to know when new episodes release. You can find that info in the show description. Moving on, as I've probably mentioned, much of my work now takes place on my Patreon account, and I've been busy over there with a lot of new photo sets, essays, and so forth. One side of my work that I've been rediscovering is how much I enjoy writing about abandoned places. You might think, that's what you do all the time. But most of my writing over the last year or three has been historical essays, which are great for what they are, but a bit limiting creatively. So I've been mixing in some writing that explores why I got into photographing abandoned places, what they mean to me, the creative process, and so forth. It's still tough. Ambrose Bierce defined creation as the death of endeavor and the birth of disgust, and I do constantly struggle with the frustrating feeling that what I write never quite gets where I want it. But I think it's good exercise to look not just at what you do or how you do it, but why you do it. So in that spirit, I thought I'd share a revamped essay on the weird overlap in my life between dreams, photographs, and abandoned places. I hope you enjoy it, and thanks again for listening. Since I was a child, I've dreamed of abandoned buildings. Maybe it had something to do with the abandoned house we'd walk by on the way to the video store, or the discovery of the Titanic when I was seven. Maybe not, who knows. In any case, I remember exploring incredibly vast, forgotten subterranean labyrinths as I slept, stumbling onto dead sections of metropolises that had been left to ruin, vast chasms of trash the size of the Grand Canyon. I remember finding an entrance to the remains of a city beneath the city, and someone in the dream called it urban spelunking and urban archaeology, years before the similar term urban exploration would be coined by Jeff Chapman. Not saying he doesn't deserve full credit, mind you, just it's a weird coincidence, right? I remember impossibly large, crooked Victorian mansions perched atop eroding cliffs, abandoned malls that stretched on forever as though the rest of the world had vanished, and shipwrecks that somehow nobody had discovered for centuries. Sometimes I was trying to find my way out of these places to get back to safety, Sometimes I was being chased or hunted in them, but in many cases, the main thing I remember is my sheer awe at the scale and the improbability of such things existing to begin with, and the sense they gave me of discovering my own destiny. 
As a side note, once I get older and start photographing abandoned buildings, one recurring nightmare I've had is finding an incredible decayed place that I knew I'd never get back to, and not having some critical component to photograph it, like a camera, batteries, or memory cards, because I'd forgotten to bring them with me. My guess is that there's some part of my subconscious that wants to document the spaces in my dreams like I do when I'm awake, but knows that the place I'm in isn't a real location and it's not possible. So the part of my mind that is structuring and assembling the dream builds a reason for that into the narrative. While I have what are likely similar awful and traumatic nightmares to the ones many other people have, for the most part the dreams of abandoned spaces, while sometimes scary, are ones that deeply fascinate me and that I've always enjoyed and valued. Where do these places come from? How is their architecture so ornate? How are their details so vivid? How do they feel so real when as far as I can tell they aren't? Where do they lead to? And why are they such a prominent feature in my subconscious long before I even had an inkling I'd centered my career around locating abandoned places in the real world? The abandoned spaces I visit in the real world aren't exactly the same. They're finite, for one thing. There are definite areas where they begin and end and they have concrete stories, no pun intended, as opposed to the ones in my dream that are infinite and inherently unknowable. In my day-to-day journeys, there's always a real world to return to. When dealing with modern ruins, there is a 0% chance I have discovered something nobody else has, since there will always be people in the area that are familiar with any kind of vacant space, and likely dozens of people that have entered it after it was left to rot. As far as I can tell, ruins exist within the bounds of the same reality as the rest of our daily lives, just with a different set of variables. In other words, they may have mold on the walls or collapsing floors, but the laws of physics are still the same there, injuries still work the same way, and the general scientific principles, known or unknown, that govern this realm still apply there. Except, to me, they don't always feel like they do. In much the same way as, say, a forest feels full of magic and mystery, even though I believe there are still rational principles that dictate the behavior of plants and animals, part of my desire to spend time in them centers on my less logical and more emotional belief that I've entered some enchanted domain that transcends the joyless landscape of parking lots, dollar stores, litter, corruption, and exploitation that makes up much of our shared world. So, for example, when I'm in an abandoned mall, I don't feel like there's an outside world anymore. The darkened storefronts seem like they could be hiding portals to somewhere else. I get chills sometimes gazing down the long, empty corridors as though once again I've happened upon a place that exists outside of space and time, somewhere that briefly manifested in our world, only to disappear forever back into the alternate dimension it came from. The walls could be thinly covering nothingness, for all I know. They could have been there forever. My senses and instincts are always at odds with my reasoning. Though it's an unprovable assumption, I don't believe in ghosts and have never witnessed one, but I'll be damned if some of the places don't feel haunted. Likewise, just because experience and logic have led me to believe that the chances I'll encounter some shambling eldritch horror in the tunnels deep beneath a decaying asylum are vanishingly small, when I'm there by myself relying on a flashlight to keep the absolute darkness at bay, there's definitely a part of my mind that anticipates and fears that I will cross paths with some thing that should not be. I'm walking a line at the edge of my own courage and sanity, in essence, and daring the laws of our common reality not to suddenly change. 
Now, when you're looking at a photograph which compresses our world into a flat image, some of those dreamlike qualities become real. Hear me out. You know how you don't think you're actually looking at another you when you stare in a mirror, right? You have to separate the photograph itself from the object depicted in it to really get this, and when you do, things are a bit wild. Think of The Treachery of Images by Magritte. You know, the painting of the pipe when the text underneath it says, this is not a pipe? The point is that the image is not the object itself. I'm not assuming I just blew your mind with that or anything, but what about the way we interpret images? What you're looking at in a photo is not a tangible place or just a collection of pixels, but a concept. You're viewing a representation of a supposedly real place, and your mind is telling you that it is a real place, but in actuality, you're looking through a window at something that doesn't exist. That's a strange thing. It's easy to take for granted because we see so many images a day, but how often do we stop and think about that? So. In the real mall, of course the storefronts lead inside stores, but not in a photograph. You're not looking at the real mall as you would if you were standing there. There literally is nothing beyond the walls that you see. If you poke a hole in a wall in a photograph, you're just going to be looking through a piece of paper or into the broken guts of your monitor if, God forbid, you're trying the experiment on your computer. In terms of the actual scene you are seeing, though, for all you know, the corridor does stretch on forever. Why not? You can't go into it. It could lead anywhere or nowhere. Behind the stairs could be lurking a thing that should not be, or you might find the answer to all your hopes and dreams you don't know. In the image as a concept, all things are equally possible and impossible. The things both in the frame and beyond are no longer what they were when I stood there taking the picture. They're whatever you imagine them to be. There's a sort of beauty and terror to that, but what about when you look at a photo of a place or a person that's no longer with us? There's a reason why images like that are haunting. Like we would with a ghost, we're seeing someone as though they're still there and yet in our hearts we know they're gone. I can't tell you how many dreams I've had which are the same. Someone I've lost forever is with me once again and it seems so real even though I know it's not. It raises that specter. If this is possible, what else is? Do moments in the past still exist even when they're no longer part of the present? Are those assumptions we have about the world around us as solid as we think? Where is this world we're looking into? At last we're back to visions and perhaps nightmares, and the limitless strangeness of witnessing the unreal. Maybe to you this is all a frivolous abstraction and a waste of time to contemplate. As someone whose life revolves around the crafting and creation of images, though, I feel I could study it forever, and that doing so opens the door to an entirely different way of reading and analyzing images. There's the literal reading of a photograph, this is the thing that's in it, and then there's the admittedly somewhat mystical sounding mind that is realizing you're really looking at somewhere else. For me, it all comes back to dreams, and the shimmering boundaries between what is and what could be. Yes, of course I hope what I do provides literal documentation of endangered places, but there's something beyond that. I believe it's part of a deep longing to understand something that's frankly beyond comprehension. I'd like to know where the places in my dreams are, where they came from, why they're there. It's not just that, though. It ties into that sense of belonging where I was in those dreams, of finally finding where I was destined to be. That's what it all boils down to in the end. I just want to go back. I don't even know where it is that I want to go back to. But when in my dreams, in abandoned places and in photographs, I can feel it out there sometimes. There's a word for this in Welsh, 
Kirith that refers to longing or nostalgia for a person or a place or something in your past. You may not even be sure what it is, it may not even exist, but you feel its absence strongly in your heart. There are a lot of reasons I've devoted my life to exploring ruins, but I think that's the key. I'm looking for something and I'm not even sure what it is. Whatever it is, it's outside the edges of the frame. It's the part of the dream you can't quite remember when you wake up, but you know it was so important. It's in that room you can't reach in an abandoned building because the floor to it collapsed. It's in that feeling you get in an abandoned space where it's like you could almost puncture the present and see the past and the future too. I hope I find it one day. Thanks so much for joining me for the episode. Hopefully it wasn't too self-indulgent and actually made sense. I'm still trying to put the pieces of it together in my own head and I never feel I articulated as well as I want, but it is what it is. That's writing in a nutshell for you. Anyway, as always, if you want to read more of my writing or see more of my photography for your own exercises in staring into the abyss, you can go to my website at abandonedamerica.us or if you'd like fresh updates, exclusive content, no ads, and high-quality images, join my Patreon at patreon.com slash abandonedamerica. Speaking of that, I'd like to thank all of my patrons there for helping to make my work possible with a special shout-out to Brian M., Jennifer D., Harry G., Steve M., L. M., and Peter E. You folks rock. Music for the essay portion of the episode is by Scott Buckley, who is an absolutely amazing composer, and I recommend you check out his work. I'll be back at some point in the not-too-distant future with another episode on another subject. You can follow the podcast on your platform of choice or join my email list for updates. Best wishes to all of you, and I'll see you again on the other side. Bye.